Thank you for connecting to this podcast for Faith Renewed. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. thinking about the greatest stories ever told, and, and uh, we're talking, and we're starting in this book, and we've been here for a while in the book of Proverbs, and, and where God is leading us, and, and last week, man, celebrating Easter, celebrating resurrection of Jesus, we can never get away from that, uh, but we begin to talk about topics of what this week looked like, and um, to be honest, me and Pastor Terry talked, I said, man, I really felt my heart to, to speak on family, and um, I didn't realize what this was going to entail. So I'm literally about to take what the Lord has been dealing with me countless hours this week and try to put it into 30 minutes. I, I, I never thought of it that way until this week. Um, I will say this message in itself, if no one responds to this today, I will. Because, man, I've repented this week. I've asked for forgiveness this week. I've went to God a whole lot this week. And, and he's spoken to me. And, and I feel like it's something for all of us and what he has for us. And so... We look at Proverbs, for one, and, and why it was written. Um, if you have version, man, you could check out the live events. We have some stuff there. Um, you, you'll kind of have to follow with me today. If, you, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to do it, because um, there's a lot of stuff, I feel like, just little God nuggets that he poured into my life this week I want to pour back out to you. And so um, is this, man, the, the theme of Proverbs being the, uh, what God is entailing is for believers, for Christians, to become wise. And we know through the book of Proverbs that wisdom begins in the fear of the Lord. That we began to gain wisdom when we understand who God is. And so wisdom, it enables believers to express their faith practically every day. That's what our wisdom is as believers, how we live. And, and so we're talking about family, and, and we're going to get there in just a second. But in general, of living our life, God wants his people to be wise. He doesn't want you to continue to roam this earth as just a human being that has no wisdom from the Father. He's asking for us to dig in. And so there's three people that I see drawn out of Proverbs, and that's this. There's the wise. This is the most encouraged way of life. The person who lives in wisdom grounded in the Father, grounded in in the Word. There's the fool who, going back to the wise for a second, the wise takes the covenant of God, my relationship with him, so serious I don't mean to a point where you're like, man, legalistic. I mean so serious that it means something to you, like your life is different in how you live. And so there's there's the wise that that says, God, I honor who you are in me, and I honor you. And then there's the fool who just directly opposes that. That's like, man, God doesn't know what he's doing. He has no clue. He's, I'm not serving God. I'm, I don't want to. I don't even mess with him. I'm not doing anything. That's the fool. And then there's one that we could probably all relate with, and I see this in Proverbs. Is this is the simple. And you may think, man, that's not really maybe that big of a deal. But we all, this is where I spent a lot of time in repentance this week, is in this place of area of being simple. It's a person who really is easily misled, easily just brought about like, man, the next thing you hear becomes what you believe. It's easily misleading. But if we go to scripture and we say, God, give me wisdom, and we learn to do that as a family, as we learn to take that and implement that in the family, we begin to understand some things. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. Come on, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. This is what the Bible says. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Let's just pray to him one more time. 
Father, we thank you. We honor you today, Lord. Your word speak to our hearts. Let us receive from you. God, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, God. And let our hearts be turned to you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Begin to think about family. I'm no expert. You know, I'm, I'm getting started in this walk of life of children and marriage and family. Me and my wife, we have two children. We've been together five years and, and, and married for five years. And we have two young kids. So I'm on this journey like a lot of you are. And some of you, you're past that, man. Your kids aren't at home. And, um, and this message is for all of us, whether you're a child, whether you have children, or whether your children are gone. And we have to begin to look for the wisdom that God wants us to pull from it. So don't just take my words at the value that I'm speaking them. Ask Holy Spirit to give you wisdom. And that's what I encourage you to do. I begin to think about family. I begin to think of the makeup of family, right? Family begins, right, when husband and wife, they come together. They then become mother and father, right? And what makes a family in that sense begins to grow Husband and wife make family, and then mother and father make family because there's children, there's sons, there's daughters. And I felt like the Lord, what he was speaking to me about this message of family is one thing, is we don't start out as husband and wife. We don't even start out as mother and father. We start out as son and daughter. And I think sometimes that we begin to forget that. Not that we belong to someone as a family, but what it means to be a child. When we begin to talk about the Proverbs of train up a child in the way they should go, they'll never depart from it. Begin to train up, begin to live that life, and, and begin to think about the area of being an adult. You can't ever forget that before you were anything, you were a son or you were a daughter. The first thing is this, in this message is this, is dependency is necessary. Dependency is necessary. I see this in my own children. I see my children that are dependent. My wife, she can only do limited things because of schedules. My daughter has her own. But if my wife doesn't say, okay, based on this schedule, if I just push you off to the side, literally my daughter would die. I mean, she, that is her food source. That is, that is the a baby comes nurturing to the mother, can't speak. That's how she communicates. And, and when we begin, even as we grow older, the dependency may change on our earthly parents, but dependency as a son and a daughter never does. And I think that's where we miss some things sometimes because we become dependent as sons and daughters on our mother and our father. And God is asking you as a believer, as a Christian, to become dependent on him. And God is asking, it's it's necessary. And some of you hate that because it's out of your control. I don't want to be dependent on anyone. I don't want to be dependent on anything. I want to be able to do my own thing. I don't want the dependency. But I want the fear of of the Lord in my life. I want wisdom in my life. I want understanding in my life. If you want those things, you become dependent on the one that gives them. And so our heart says, man, dependency is necessary. Dependency is necessary. As a dependent child, you learn. You learn. Like mom and dad's going to provide for me, so there's safety in that. Some of you may have grown up in broken homes, and, and maybe that's not been your perspective and your view. Maybe that's not been like, I didn't have a mother and a father in my life that were nurturing to me, that provided for me. I learned the hard knocks life. Like, I went through life trying to figure things out on my own. But you're still a son, and you're still a daughter. 
That's how God created you. I want you to turn just Proverbs 22, 6, one more time. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he's not depart from it. This training is a process that is shown. It's not just spoken about. And that brings me to the second point is this, is we don't reproduce what we do. We reproduce who we are. We don't reproduce what we do. We re- reproduce who we are. This is true in parenting, and this is true in leadership, in, in all sorts. And, and you may think, well, I'm not very much of a leader. If you are in a home and you have family, you're a leader. Might as well go ahead and grab those stakes and plant them in the ground because you're a leader of your home. Mothers, fathers, you're leaders of your home. And you have something placed on you that you have the ability to reproduce who you are. And if it's grounded in wisdom and truth in the Proverbs of God, then you're going to lead in the direction that your children, they won't depart from certain things. They won't depart from who God is. They will see your life. Sometimes we have issues in our homes. We have things going on and we play the blame game, right? Like just an example, man, here we go. I've heard so many parents say, man, my children, they don't appreciate anything. They have no care for what's valuable, what I own, what I possess. They tear it up. They take it. They steal it. They break it. They disturb it. They appreciate nothing, right? They, they, they don't even receive. They open the present. They put it to the side, and they open the next one. They don't appreciate anything. But what if it's not a them issue? What if it's a me issue? What if it's not my child's not appreciative? I I, I see in in the business that I do, there are people that tell me this. I say, you know, well, how how do you receive things? And they may say, I don't need anything from anyone, right? I don't need dependency. I, I don't need, I've got everything I need. I don't need anything. Well, maybe it's your children. They're not, it's not that they don't appreciate. They're just replicating what they're seeing. And as a mother and a father, you don't know how to receive You can't expect your children to do something you're incapable of doing yourself. And so the father is saying to us, looking at us, man, if you want to train up children in the way to go, you want to to be a family that's in one direction, that's going after what God has for you, then you got to begin to reproduce who you are in God. Outside of that, you're not going to receive anything different than what you're already seeing. It's a whole different perspective. Each of us need to consistently and sincerely ask God for clarity in our life. I think sometimes we don't do this enough. It, it, it's mind-boggling to me. And, I, and I've started to realize this over the last just couple of months of being around other Christians and being around believers. It's crazy because sometimes a new believer will walk in the room and you will know they're a new believer because they're on fire. And there's like old Christians sitting back like, you'll settle down you'll learn. It's not supposed to be that way. There's a foundation of wisdom and fear of the Lord that understands this, man. I should be so on fire for Jesus, my heart loving God so much that the foundation in my life, people can see, they can hear, they can know. They know who I believe. They know who I trust. They know where my wisdom comes from. We shouldn't walk into a church building and be able to see, man, they gave their life to Christ two weeks ago because, man, look at how they're dancing. We should see the one that's been a Christian for 50 years running, saying, Jesus, because you understand the grace of God better than even that new believer. God wants to rebirth in us wisdom in our heart that says, oh, well in me, the fear of the Lord. Well in me, wisdom of God. 
that happens when you say, God, I'm dependent on you. God, I'm dependent on you. I want to reproduce my family to be you, God. You know what the Lord asks of you? To imitate him. To be who God has called you to be means to be the image of Jesus. And I think sometimes that scares us. But if we understand this, before husband, wife, before mother, before father, we're a son and we're a daughter. In Romans 8, 15, this is what the Bible says, if you'll pull it up. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That means Abba, Father, man, has released you and said, come on in. You are my son. Come on in. You are my daughter. Come on in to the family because you're meant to live with me. Yeah, you're meant to be a part of me. You're like, but I don't do things right. I, I'm, I live a life that seems double. I feel hypocritical. We all do. We all do. We, Paul says, man, we do the things that we don't want to do. We do those things. But we understand who we belong to. And then we say, God, this is where we come in, the need to consistently and sincerely come before God and say, God, forgive me. God, restore me. The foundation of your family will never be planted on God until your foundation is. You can't hand them a foundation paved, smooth out, and ready for them to walk if you're not doing it yourself. That means consecrating, setting apart your life and say, Jesus, I'm giving you me. Jesus, I'm giving you my life. We understand we are sons, we are daughters before anything. Before Pastor Chris, before Pastor Terry, before volunteer, before leader, before whatever you do, before trash can changer, it does not matter. You are a son and you are a daughter. You will, there's no title that surpasses that placement. God is not worried about the ministry that, that Pastor Chris is smoothing out. He's worried about the Pastor Chris life. The ministry will follow it. That's the same thing in your home. He's not sitting back worried, biting on his nails, worried about your family. He's looking at you saying, I'm trying to put a dose of who I am in your life because when I do, your family will change. Your children will change. Their lives will be imparted with the Holy Spirit and they'll say, God, I see my mother and I see my father consistently and sincerely coming before God and saying, God, forgive me. God, deliver me. God, heal me. God, restore in me who you are. When your children see mommy and daddy at the altar saying, Jesus, forgive me. You know what they do? They get older. They sit at this altar and they say, Jesus, forgive me. They sit at this altar, altar and ask God for deliverance. Why? Because they understand before anything, there's sons and there's daughters. And they belong to Abba, our father. They belong to him. The home, man, is meant to look like this. Fathers teaching their children in their home to follow Christ by representing Christ to his children, being an example of holiness. That doesn't change for the mother. 
That doesn't change. The mother is supposed to be in the home representing godly living, holiness in the home, foundations of Jesus in their life. When you become a Christian, that doesn't just happen. If your expectation is I give my life to Christ and then my life's going to live holy, you're setting yourself up to be really discouraged because you have to pursue the wisdom of God. We, if, if it was not that way, when we give our life to Christ, we'd have the entire book of Proverbs memorized in our spirit. The Father would just pour it out. We'd know it. It'd just come out of our mouth. But that's not the case. He asked us to pursue him. He asked us to pursue him. Man, Psalm 24, I'm sorry, I don't even have this up there, but we're going to think about those that says, who can stand in the holy place? You know what he writes? Those that have clean hands and a pure heart. You know what you can't do? You can't purify your own heart, but you can clean your hands. And you come and you say, Father, I repent. I do this. I come to you in forgiveness. And the Lord says, you can stand by me because you come to me with clean hands. I'll purify your heart. God is looking for believers. He's looking for families to say, man, I want to train my children up in the way they should go, and I don't ever want them to depart from it. Understand, as a son and a daughter, how God is beginning to train you up in your life. We see mothers and fathers, man, going after what God has for them. We see this. We see sons and daughters submitting to their parents. It's true. This will take place. My kids aren't old enough, but I already see what's taking place in my two-year-old's life. Because here's what happens. They do see mommy and daddy crying out to God. Sometimes I pray on my couch, I do this motion. It's really weird. I don't know. Don't ever look in my home while I'm praying. It's kind of weird. And I just be like this. The other day I'm praying and my two-year-old comes and stands by me. He starts doing this. He don't even know what he's doing. He don't even know what he's doing. I said, Mama, I had a cut on my ankle. The first thing, he walked in the room. He said, you got boo-boo? I said, yeah, Isaiah, I got a boo-boo. I'll pay for it. Why? Because I respond. I'm not a perfect parent. It's the foundation. God, I want to live this way. God, I want to impart to my children the exact wisdom and truth of your word. They'll never depart from it. They'll never depart from it. And the father's asking us as sons and daughters to not look away from his word and say, you know what, but I don't know about this whole dependency thing. I'm here to tell you today, man, it's necessary. It's necessary in your life. But sons and daughters, they'll begin to submit their lives to their parents, man. They'll see what's taking place. And people say, well, they, they go back to the word and say, man, the Bible tells us to honor our father and mother. My mother and father, man, they're terrible. If you're serving God, you're honoring your parents. Your parents could be in witchcraft, Wicca, and everything else. If you're honoring God in the way that you live truthfully to the word, there's no way you're dishonoring them. You turned out 10 times better than they did. But the grace of God is still substantial enough for us to be receiving, and so can they. And I think sometimes we get that in our mind, we, we play the card of, but this is where I came from. And I want to just remind you today, your parents didn't create you. They didn't make you. God formed you from the dust of the earth, and he breathed life into your body. And he's asking you to do something with it. And the only thing he's asking of us is to be reminded that he's the one that did it. Be reminded that he is the one that did it. First Timothy in uh, chapter four, verse eight, the Bible says this. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. 
That means that the godly living, the holiness of your life is not just for now. That man, the way that you're living your life in pursuit of God, things are going to get hard. That's why you continue to pursue God. That's why you're dependent on him. There's a difference, man. When you're dependent on him, you begin to go to God first in a whole lot of areas of your life. I've had to learn that. It's not easy. I'm still at that place. I have to come to God and say, God, forgive me, Lord. I didn't trust you. And I feel like sometimes God looks at me and says, but you're still my son, and I love you. And we've, sometimes we've, we've taken and we, we've spoken so much on the love of God. We forget that God is God. Revelation tells us, man, that there's a day that he's coming. And there's vengeance. And the Lord is coming, tattooed on his legs. Lord, the Lord is king of kings. He'll ride in on a white horse, man. And there will be vengeance. The Lord, our God, is God. He loves us so much. He's, he's created a way for us, not just to protect us, but to save us. And sometimes, man, we do. We talk on the love of the Father, but there has to be a restoring of the fear of the Lord that God is God. Heard one of the best definitions I've ever heard on the fear of the Lord, and that's this, that God sees, God hears, and God responds accordingly. Corey Russell from IHOP, International House of Prayer in Kansas City. That's what he says. God sees, God hears, and God responds accordingly. That is so true. If we lived with the conviction of our heart that God knows, man, he knows. He knows the motivation of the thought that went in your head. He knows the exact words that are coming out of your mouth and why you're saying them. He knows the exact thing that we're doing. There should be something welling in us saying, God, you hear me. God, you see me. God, you respond accordingly. Therefore, I'm going to you first before I do any of those things. Before I speak, before I... The Bible says this, take every thought, like how I can't control some of the thoughts. You can't, you can't. Thoughts come in your mind, but what you do with them is what's important. Bible says to take every thought captive and to do what with it? Submit it to the obedience of Christ. So we begin to take every thought, man, filter it through God. That's holy living. That's godly living. That's what God wants to restore in us. It's not legalism. It's not trying to create, man, this perfect statue of a Christian. It's someone that fears God enough to say, God, what would you have me do first? God, what would you have me do first? We see training up a child going back to a promise that God made to Abraham. If you go to Genesis chapter 18, you can read, and and we're only going to read the one verse out of here. But Abraham was promised, man, children, dependents, life, you know, family. He'd been interceding in the early, in the, previous passage, I believe it is, over Sodom and over the destruction. And because of his intercession, God honored the prayers and the intercession of Abraham and he protected Lot and his daughters. And it's a whole story for a whole other time. But here's what he tells them. He says, for I have chosen him, I've chosen Abraham, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteous injustice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. That means Abraham will receive the promise of God, children, descendants, when he stays true to the command that God has placed on his life. And what is that? To remain righteous. To bring justice in the name of the Lord. And so you're like, well, what's the big deal? It's because Abraham's actions right then impacted his children and his household after him. What you do 
matters. Sons, daughters, young people, what you do now matters. Mom, dad, husband, wife, what you do now, it matters. You may think, no, man, it's not a big deal, whatever. Come on, I'm just living my life like a normal person. I don't want to be normal. I want to live my life that says, Jesus, I want to sell everything I have, God, and just give you all of me. God, I want you to bankrupt my heart and all that's in it is you. We see, man, we can, we can turn also in Joshua. I love this. We see in Joshua a message given to the children of Israel. And, and so many families, man, we did a whole series, Flip My House. Go back and listen to it, man. It'll change your life. Did a whole series based on this passage of scripture. In Joshua 24, in verse 15, just for, just for a moment, it says, the last portion says this, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How many of you agree with that? For you. As for me and my house, man, we will serve the Lord. Like, man, as for me and my house, I declare it. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to give him everything. But let's look at verse one. Let's begin to go through this just for a moment. Joshua 24, in verse one, it says, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel, Shechem and Selim, the elders, the heads, the judges, the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. So he's basically taking all the leaders, all, and you can take this modern day right now, all the fathers in this room, man, we just gather you around. He says this in verse two, and Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, the terror, the father of Abraham and Nahor, and they served other gods. This is like going back for a moment as mothers, fathers, sons, daughters, man, understanding you can have earthly parents that don't do the right thing. And now's the decision for you to make it in your own life. In verse three, it says, then I look, I took your father, Abraham, Remember, God promised him that, man, he will have the children, the descendants from beyond the river, led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, verse four. And to Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau, and I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. In verse, 20, in verse five, it says, and I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it. And afterward, I brought you out. I brought you out in verse six. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt and you came to the sea and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to Red Sea. And in verse seven, it says, and when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and cover them in your eyes and saw that I did in Egypt. And you lived in the wilderness for a long time. Stop there just for a moment. Literally, Joshua is explaining, dude, your fathers made the wrong decision. Your fathers, but look how God protected you and brought you through where you were at despite of their decisions and their actions. And it says in verse 14, now therefore fear the Lord. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. And then we get to the famous passage of verse 15. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day who you will serve. Choose this day who you will serve, whether the gods your father served or the gods of the Amorites in those lands you may dwell. But as for me and my house, I'll serve the Lord. Joshua's making a stance. 
He said, man, your fathers, dude, they served every other God but the living God. But God brought us through. This is what God did. This is how God protected us. And on this day, I don't care what you do at this moment. You're going to have to choose for yourself. But for me, my house, we're going to serve the Lord. There's some mothers, there's some fathers, there's some families in this room today that need to make a stand and say, man, it doesn't matter what my mother and father did before me. It don't matter what generational things I have against me. The Lord brought me through. The Lord provided. He protected. He healed. And now me, my children, my home, my household, everyone that comes in it, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Father. It's about family in the kingdom of God. He cares that much about us. But we will all agree, man. God, I'm going to serve the Lord. Yes, my home is going to serve the Lord. The third thing today is this. Is showing up for church is not serving God. Showing up for church is not serving God. It's mind-boggling. That man, you can pull up, drop your kids off, and hope the youth pastor lays the foundation the father's supposed to in the home. Or maybe you come, you sit in a seat and Man, I really want my pastor to lay the foundation that you're meant to be laying in your home. It's not how it works. Joshua says, for me, my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He's declaring. He's not saying I'm going to church twice a week. If it, if it takes all righteousness and faithfulness for you to show up, I would question serving God. Serving God looks like taking the love that God's produced in you and pouring it right back out. That may happen in the walls of this church, but it's happening more so outside of it. It's supposed to begin to take place to where, man, you come in, you receive, you get poured into, right? Atmosphere's created, God is here. It's okay, safe place, man. You come, you sit at this altar, you cry out in repentance. You receive sound teaching, biblical wisdom. And you say, God, how do I apply it to my life? Then you go back into your home and you take that exact wisdom and the exact truth and you begin to reproduce it in you. You reproduce it in you. We wanna take the message and we wanna say, man, you really need to hear a great message, right? Oh man, you really need to hear what Pastor Terry spoke about this week. Pastor Chris, man, he's a little crazy. We don't, we don't care, we're not gonna show up next time he speaks. But here's what happens. Here's what happens, man. We wanna hear a good message. I'm tired of hearing good messages. I'm tired of hearing good messages. I wanna live one. I wanna be one. I wanna be the one that says, you know what? Me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. I don't care if you do, you choose that. My job as a father, most of all, my job as a son is to let the father restore me, me receive the spirit of adoption in my heart and God say, you belong to me. You belong to me. God loves us that much. God loves us that much. We... We sit back, I think, sometimes, and, man, we, we wonder, like, man, I want my children to serve God. We'll start serving God. If you want your kids to come to church, bring them to church. But if you want them to start serving God, start opening your mouth and letting God come out of it. One of the things that me and my wife have been challenged about here lately is, is even when we're in, the, in Walmart and we're coming through, I'm, I'm beginning to ask God, God, 
how would you have me bless this cashier we're about to go through? I don't necessarily mean it. We're going to pull out money, man, and give it to them, or we're going to pay for our stuff. We're going to steal it. But, but God, how would you have me bless them? And my wife, we were sitting, and she was like, but, but they're at work. I said, man, I didn't say we had to spend two hours with them. We're just planting a seed of who God is. Man, it may be as simple. You may get, it doesn't have to be routine, like I do the same thing every time. We get into that too much. Maybe you just walk through the line and you say, man, I hope your day's been well. I hope that things are going well for you. And I want you to know, man, God loves you. It may be that simple. You never know what those things will lead to. But that's serving God. I think sometimes we take serving like, well, I'll wait to the next outreach day. I'll serve God then. If we want to build a family rooted on the wisdom of God that they will not depart from, It'll be consistent in your life that you begin to pour out foundations of dependency on God that says, God, I'm going to filter everything through you first. God, I'm going to serve you with my mouth. I'm going to serve you with my eyes. God, I'm going to serve you with my ears. I'm going to serve you with my hands. I'm going to serve you with my feet. I'm going to serve you with my heart. It's got to begin somewhere, a change. It's got to begin to shift for you. Like something has to go off in your mind and say, you know what? This Christianity thing, it's not so fun after about three weeks, and things have kind of gotten hard. You know what is fun? When you build a relationship as a son and a daughter with the father, and there's fear restored in your heart, and there's something that says, man, God, you're real. God, you love me. God, you entrusted me. I don't even know how with this family, but God, you did. And so my question today becomes this, is how do we do it? How do we do it? Well, I ask the worship team to come around and Here's, here's how we begin. I'm going to start there. We begin to do this. We begin with understanding our role first as a son and a daughter in Christ. That we belong to him. That God is a, he's infinite. Infinite God. We're finite beings. Can't understand everything. We don't have it all together. We can't just encapsulate him and say, this is God. This is all there is to him. No, God is so great, so big, we could never even understand. We could never even begin to comprehend. But what we can know is God loves us that we belong to him, that he's our father. We begin there. We begin understanding there. The second thing we begin to do is this. We begin to repent. We begin to come before the father in repentance. I think sometimes the church builds repentance off of salvation. Like you repent when you become saved. Repentance should be continual. If it's not, you may want to sit back and ask yourself, when have you last come to God and say, God, forgive me. God, heal me. God, take me and make me and mold me, God. That shouldn't be a one-time thing like when you're giving your life to Christ. That should be continual. Learn that in your home. When you do that, when you ask for repentance, you also ask God to restore in you the fear of the Lord in your life. God, restore in me the fear of the Lord. God, you see. God, you know. God, you respond accordingly. And God, I want to live my life knowing that. The forefront of my thought. That means the next movie you watch. You're like, hold on, there's nothing wrong with movies, right? right? Build whatever theology you want. I want to honor God in what I do. If it doesn't seem wise, it's probably not. We begin to ask God to restore in us the fear of the Lord. And the fourth thing is, we make this change in us personally. Happens with us first, personally. And we bring that into the home. And you say, well, how do you bring that into the home? You talk to your family, to your children, to your kids, to your cousins, your uncles, your aunts, and you tell them what God is doing. You tell them what God is doing. 
in your life. Display the dependency that you have with God in front of them. And when you have things come up, go to God first. When your kids, your children, when they have things come up, you come to them, they come to you, you go to God first. You go to God first. You know, it's you're displaying dependency on the Father. You know what's gonna happen? You're not gonna have to feed your kids when they're 30 years old, I hope. But you know what they will do? They'll see your dependency on the Father. They'll learn from it. They'll never depart from it because they've learned something. When I cry out to God, he answers me. When I don't feel like I belong in a family, he calls me a son. When I don't understand my place, he looks at me and says, you're my daughter. And I rely on him and I trust him and I grow with him. Deuteronomy 10, the last passage of scripture says this, chapter 12, it says, now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? So good. But to fear the Lord, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I'm commanding you today for your good. What does it require of you? requires you to submit everything in your life to God. Everything in your life to God. You're like, Chris, that sounds silly, man. God, God doesn't care about what I have for lunch today. He may not care about what you have for lunch today, but he may want to speak to you during that time. And I think sometimes we miss that. You can literally find God in everything. There's not a thing that you cannot find him in. And sometimes it's so silly, but it'll mean so much to you. And it's just the father speaking to his children because he loves us. With every eye closed and every head bowed in this place, man. God, we thank you. For one, I I want you to do this, man. I I love to do this. I want you to put your hands out like you want to receive right now. You're like, man, why are you doing this? I'm asking God. And And I encourage you in your own heart to receive from him today. So Father, right now, we welcome you. God, let our hearts receive wisdom and truth. God, let us begin to understand greater about who you are and less about our flesh, God, that we depend on you. That, God, we come to you first in all of our decisions, all the things that we do. That, God, we will not depart from your way, God, God, because you're training us up to live grounded in you. Right now, in Jesus' name, amen. Across the room, man, during this altar call, I want you to stand to your feet across the room because there's, there's several things I feel like the Lord wanted to hit today. And that's this, some of you, it's, it's so simple. You've never felt the love of the Father. Your view of God has been God on a throne, God on a throne, and you haven't seen your seat beside him. But us as sons and daughters, we're heirs of his kingdom. We can sit there. And God wants to wrap his arms around you and love on you. There's some of you in this room, man, you have children that are far from God, whether they live in your home or whether they live out of it there never becomes a time where it's too late to lay a foundation. There's never a time where it becomes too late to start displaying the work of the Father in your life. That means through conversation, they may not live with you. That means through conversations, man, you don't shut up about what God's doing. Don't be telling them stories about what the pastor said. Start telling them stories about what God is doing in you. Start telling them stories. The true testimony becomes from your own mouth. Sometimes church, man, we want to live vicariously through other people that experience great things. I'm tired of that. I read the stories of of Paul, man, walking the streets and people being healed in his shadow. God put that on me. 
Why are we not? That's the power of the living God. So some of you think, man, man, I can't. My children are too far gone. Says who? Not his daddy. Not his father. He's calling us. Receive the spirit of adoption. And some of you, man, you have those children that are running. It's never too late to start asking God. But where does it begin? Maybe it's not a them issue. They're making choices and decisions. We can't control that. But what are you doing? What's the me, God? That's where we need to begin. God, I come to you in repentance. God, I come to you with a heavy heart and say, deliver me, heal me, protect me, and God, do a work in me. With every eye closed and every head bowed, we're going to him in prayer. And I'm just going to release you to respond to this altar call. There's going to be leaders around to pray with you. And I encourage you, don't just sit back in your seat because I believe this. God wants to shake the foundation of family to know before mother, before father, before son, before daughter, before husband, before wife, you are a child of God. You are a child of God. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, God, you want to heal brokenheartedness. God, you want to restore families. God, you want to restore homes. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, I declare over family today that, God, we come to you as you are our Father, and we come to you as sons, we come to you as daughters. God, let us receive your love. God, letting your arms truly wrap around our hearts. That, God, we begin to understand you and see you. God, help those that are running, the prodigals of our families, God, that it's never too late for us to begin the process of laying foundation for our children to walk on. God, we respond to you right now in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, this altar's open. It's your choice and your decision. But I encourage you today, man, I spent, I've been there this week, man. My heart's been convicted. I spent time with God asking for forgiveness. I encourage you, if it touches your life, rem- remove yourself from distraction and spend some time with God. I encourage you to do that. This has been a podcast of Pastor Chris Holman brought to you by Faith Renewed. For more information about us, please visit faithrenewed.org. For questions, feel free to contact us via email at info at faithrenewed.org.